All right, all right. Good morning, good morning. I am excited about this Let There Be Light series and especially what we're going to unveil in this message. But first, have you noticed in our area, in our region, there's these names of places that are hard to say? Like out in East County, we have this road called Jamacha or uh, I think maybe Hamishaw. Uh, I noticed this coming back from North County. My, uh, we were coming back from a football game. And we went through an area called Rancho Penasquitos. And, and it reminded me of this couple. You know, married couples can debate about anything, right? And so this couple's driving through that area. And the husband's like, hey, we're in Rancho Penasquitos. And the wife's like, we're in Rancho Penasquitos. And, and so they get in this debate. And so the husband's like, you know what? I, I, we're just going to pull over and ask a local, how do you say this? And so they, they pull over to the first fat fu- fast food restaurant that they see. They walk up to the counter, and, and the husband looks at the woman across the counter and says, ma'am, maybe you can help us settle a debate between us, husband and wife. Like, can you very slowly enunciate, how do you say this place we're in? She looks at him and goes, Burger King. <laughs> The, uh, the story of Amazon is a fascinating one because what began in 1994 as this tiny little online book dealer has become one of the top 10 revenue producing companies in America. It's made Jeff Bezos, the entrepreneur, CEO of it, the wealthiest man on earth with a net worth of $160 billion. And... Here's what he says about their success. He said this to the Economic Club of Washington. He said, the number one thing that has made us successful by far is an obsessive, compulsive focus on the customer. And, and, And here's what this Wharton business professor said about them. He said, they were from the start not really in the book business. They understood that the website was a source of information for them about their customers and their customers' search behavior. So what they've done in America is they have let us just stay in our homes. We never have to leave. We never have to talk to anyone. And we can just have a steady stream of cardboard boxes with smiley faces bringing us whatever we want, all the while watching Amazon Prime, whatever show we want. Remember back in the days that you had to wait for the show that you wanted to see? Not anymore. And not only that, they've created a home security system called Ring that can protect all the stuff that you just amassed from them while watching their shows. Like they've created their own universe. And so what they've shown is if you can study someone and give them exactly what they want, exactly what they crave, you can become a very rich person. Okay, have you had this experience? This is kind of freaky. This happened to me this week. I was, I was meeting with someone and they were talking about a medical condition that they wondered if they had. And they said, I probably need to go get tested to see if I have this medical condition. And, and like, I don't go home and Google it. I don't go home and search it. But all of a sudden, I'm on the internet the next day, and what pops up as an ad to me? Free test to see if you have this exact medical condition. Like, there's thousands of medical conditions, but the exact one, I was like, 
what? And then the next thing that pops up, that same day I had a conversation about with someone and they said, hey, do you know uh, this specific type of attorney? I, I need to contact this very specific type of attorney. Guys, the next ad that pops up is, do you need this specific type of attorney? And I was like, whoa, like this is, it's like someone's listening. Guys, my phone wasn't on. I wasn't searching it, but it was sitting there. I think some of you had this happen to you. And so I, I, and I'm not like a conspiracy theorist, but I was like, this is really weird. And I'm like, I'm going to test this out. I was like, I, I didn't turn my phone on, but I was like, I love bananas. <laughs> I am really wanting some bananas right now. How much do bananas cost? And you know, I'm, I'm waiting and it didn't show up, but um, <laughs> here, here's the deal. I, what I'm not saying is that Amazon is like, evil and Babylon coming to get us, you know, and that Jeff Bezos is the Antichrist. And I'm, my family uses Amazon, right? Our church even orders stuff off of Amazon Prime. Make sure you use Prime. And, um, <laughs> but what, what I am saying is it's as if someone is tracking and studying us and wanting to know our exact wants and cravings to then put them up in front of us, and all of a sudden, we as humans in our day and age, and especially as Americans, it's like, it's like we don't need God anymore. Because think about it, in the old days, in agrarian culture, in order to have your food and your livelihood, you were dependent on rain, and you were dependent on the weather, right? And, and communities would get together and pray for God to send the rain. Right? And I bet, you know, it had been a long time since it rained. I bet not a lot of you were like freaked out that you weren't going to get to eat. And so I'm so thankful. It started to rain Friday night. So cool, right? Don't you love rain in San Diego? I, I, I was like, so awesome. I opened my window. I'm like, I'm going to listen to real rain instead of turning it on, rain on my noisemaker on my iPhone. <laughs> Which like, we, we even have like the noise of rain when we want it, right? But, but you know, in the old days, they had to pray for that. And then they'd come together as a community. We needed other people to bring in the harvest. But now most of us have just individual jobs that we just sit in front of our own computer screen. And, 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 and we have the education and the wealth and, and, and to just hide away. And, and like the goal of life is not to have to deal with people, right? Like I don't even have to leave my, I don't even have to see the boxes just come to me. And, and I wonder if that's really God's best. I don't think, and here's the deal. I think, I don't know if someone's tracking us, but I know that there is someone who is in his name, Satan. And he wants to just, the interesting thing about him is that so often he keeps you from the best, not by leading you into just, demonic evil, right? I mean, most of us are tempted. I'm going to put a black cape on and, and, and carry around blades and blood. You know, I mean, what usually keeps us from the best is just a lot of good. Like, I, you know, just, I'm just going to keep amassing and maybe that will make me feel good. And, that'll, and, 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 and here's what I want to propose to you today, that God's plan for his people was never just to hide away in their homes, not have to deal with people and just receive every single little thing you want. But instead it was to step forth into a hurting and broken world and shine his great light. The Bible says in Isaiah 42, 6, let your light shine to the nations 
And so what I wanna unpack today is God's plan that I believe he actually has for every generation of his people. And so we move about to the third time we see this happening. It's in the book of Joshua in chapter 24 because now the people of Israel have come out and God's provided for them. And look what he says. It says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Sarah to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it, and afterward I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you came to the sea and the Egyptians pursued you and your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and he made the sea come up upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you and I gave them into your hand and you took possession of their land and I destroyed them before you. We're gonna skip verse nine through 12 for time. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of the vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, God has this plan for his people in every generation. Let me unpack four points of his plan. The first one is he's always calling his people out of the world. He called Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldeans, that seat of worldliness. He called the people of Israel out of Egypt. He calls his people to leave the world. Second of all, then he makes them into a great nation. Abraham was one guy. It didn't even look like he could have kids, but then God started multiplying them. In the wilderness, in the desert, in a rough place, the people of Israel multiplied. In Egypt, they had multiplied. They became this big people. Then he takes them into a desert, into a place that seems impossible, and there he supernaturally provides for them. They're going, we're going to die out here. He goes, no, here's water from a rock. That's impossible. He says, here's manna, bread from heaven. That's impossible. Here's a whole flock of quail landing. So you can have your own Kentucky fried chicken every morning, people of Israel. He, He delivers them, but then he provides for them. And then lastly, he says, and I am supernaturally gonna give you your own land. He gave them something better than they had thought. 
or hope for. That is what God does in every generation. So fast forward to the New Testament. Here are the disciples. They're living in this uh, very oppressive time under the Roman Empire. Jesus comes and shines a bright light. He says, he says to them, like, I'm the light of the world. And they're thinking, this is the darkest time. Like, our people are being crushed. Our people are being destroyed. And the tendency is for them to just try to assimilate in the world and to just say, you know, I'm not going to speak very boldly. Isn't that our temptation? Like, don't, don't stand up and say, I'm a Christian. Don't stand up and say what's right or wrong. You'll get to slap down. But thankfully, the disciples didn't do that. And God grew them and multiplied them and he provided for them and he sent them through the nations proclaiming his word. And what happened? We had the book of Acts where the gospel spread rapidly because of these bold people. But then it happens again in 400 AD. Europe had become a very dark place full of dark spirituality, all kinds of evil sacrifice. And specifically in Ireland, things were at its worst. And a young man who had actually been kidnapped by these people comes back and says, I'm going to shine brightly for Jesus. His name was Patrick, known as St. Patrick. And a group forms around him named, named the Celts. And they go and boldly proclaim the gospel. And God keep adding to them. And he did miracles for them. And they changed Western Europe in a generation. There's actually a book called How the Irish Saved Civilization. Happens again in 1500. The church once again went, went dark, became worldly. The Pope was actually selling indulgences and saying, if you touch this relic or you pay this money, then you can be saved. The emperor was in cahoots with them, a, a, a pretty bad guy. And a little monk named Martin Luther said, hey, that's wrong. Right, and he one little guy opposes the Pope and the Emperor. Like you think you have it bad because you have a bad boss. Imagine fighting the Pope and the Emperor at the same time, right? And, and a whole group of people get around him at Wittenberg, and they say we're going to preach the gospel whether they kill us or not. And what happened? It created a revolution known as the Protestant Reformation. We're still reaping the consequences of that where we understand salvation by grace, not works, not by payment. Because it happened again in the 1700s. America had grown very dark. If you study back in the beginning of that time, the family was breaking down. Alcoholism was at an all-time high, very decadent society. And then Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, George Whitfield, they start going across the land saying, we're going to boldly preach the gospel. And as they did that, people would come under conviction and say, we're going to leave the decadent ways of the world. And they started forming together. And it became known as the Methodist Church. And all these groups... Uh, people started coming together and saying, we're going to live for Jesus. And it changed the fabric of our country. It was known as the first great awakening. Fast forward to the 1970s. In response to the crazy hippie movement where the, the chant was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Thank you. So helpful for all of our lives. And praise God, a group said no. We're going to preach Jesus. He's the light of the world. He's better than any drug. He's better than anything on earth. They were known as the Jesus people. They'd even hitchhike. They'd hop into cars just to share the gospel. Some of you in this room got saved in those times, and I love you. <laughs> and it, it, it went across the nation. Guys, it's time for another move of God in America. 
I don't want to just talk about the former moves of God. And so in every generation, God has the same plan. Although he expresses it differently, it's always the same. I'm going to call out a group of people. Then I'm going to make them into a spiritual family. Then I'm going to show them I provide for them. And then I'm going to promise them their place to shine brightly, their, their land. But here's what happens next, though. There's two more points that I actually want to highlight because then in Exodus 25, after he delivers the people and he's shown that he provides for them, it says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. You shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple, scarlet yarns, fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamp, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastplate. And let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. God's saying two more things. I want a sanctuary. I want a sacred place to meet with my people. I love meeting with my people. Let's create a sacred space to meet with my people. And he says, and how are we going to do that? By everyone getting involved and everyone. I love all the different things that people brought. Why? So everyone could be involved. And let's take up an offering for that. And that, that's why I'm so excited about this thing we're calling the Light Project because we are following in the pattern that God has used to lead his people for centuries over time. Look at this in Exodus 29, 44. So I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I'm the Lord, their God, who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. You know, what we know, which is amazing in the New Testament is we actually become the temple of God. Like you, your body actually becomes a place that God can dwell through his Holy Spirit. But for centuries and through the history of revival, God also says consecrate sacred places where people can know that when they go there, God is resting there. God will meet with people there. They can look and say, you know, I can be saved there. I can be healed there. I can be delivered there. I can go and have a safe place to fellowship with the living God. And that's why I'm so excited about the season that God has us in as a spiritual family. Here at 2 Timothy 3.16. See, see, this is the, um, the thing that I see us doing so often as Christians. As we so often look at the Bible, we look back and go, well, that's neat. You know, these, these amazing things happen with the people of old. And wow, God was at work so much. And now my spiritual life is just sitting with a little cup of coffee and reading about that. And that's like what my relationship with God's gonna be. Listen to what the Bible actually says about itself. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Like your spiritual life is not just supposed to be a gaining head knowledge from reading other people's stories. No, the Bible is a story to equip us to live your own story. Like we're the people of God. In 2018, it's our turn to be on a journey with God. 
Okay, look at, look at what it says in Romans 15, 4, because you might not believe me yet. For whatever was written in former days was written for our head knowledge. No, it says this, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. These stories were written for you to have faith of we can go on our own journey. We can see God move. We, and, and, and that's what I love about the story of this church. It's so parallel to what you see in generation after generation. A, a small group of people felt led to move out here, not knowing anyone, not having anything, not even having a home to go to. And then boom, in the right time, God opens up a place and starts growing us into a great people. What started with just a a handful of people now has grown into a great people. And then God would show us, hey, I'm going to provide for you. Just follow me. He gives you this home and, and all these people come. And then we outgrow the home. And then he opens up Horace Mann Middle School for us. And then there's a flood, right? And well, that's biblical. And then we have to move to Crawford High School. And, and then we're meeting there. And then like a, a huge destruction comes and they destroy the parking lots and the buildings and, and we have to go to another place and God opens up San Diego State. It's like we're the Israelites following a cloud, right? Except we had the internet so we'd know where we're meeting. But, um, <laughs> but, and, then we, and then we lose that and God gives us this place but we can't stay here because this is like the other side of the Jordan, the other side of the eight freeway, right? And, and so we got to cross the Jordan, the eight freeway and because God's promised us a land, and then he gave us a land. And, and I, I talked to my pastor friends, and they're like, wait, 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 you have land in the heart of San Diego? They're like, no, that's impossible. No, I'm like, I promise, we really, we really have it. They're like, no, there, there's no such thing. I'm like, no, I know God hid it for generations. He was hiding this land right on the highway. And so that's why today is like such an exciting day because today, can you hand me this? We actually have the plans of the sanctuary that God has called us to build for him. And we told you, we'll show you. So if you all wanna come up here real quick. Uh, no, we put together a video uh, to, to just take you on a tour and to tell you some of the miracles along the way that have got us to this place. So let's go ahead and roll that video. this whole light project has been one of a miraculous journey. We started with this miracle of getting the land. We were told by an expert realtor, what you're looking for doesn't exist. And then he actually quit being our realtor. And it was that week that we get this email with this mock-up of a church on a piece of land on the freeway and it met every single one of our specifications. The amount of parking, the amount of land, the size auditorium, it was an absolute miracle. So we contact the developer and then we learn the bidding's closed. And they're not talking to churches. They're only selling to big national development companies trying to use this land for housing. But all of a sudden we see the next miracle. God opens the door. They talk to us, we learn the bid, we're able to make the bid, there's an advocate for us in the bidding process and our bid is accepted. All of a sudden, we're in the process of buying this land. 
And that brings us to our next miracle, is before the fundraising process even started, we were able to see $2 million come in for us to be able to make the purchase and own the land. Yeah, and I remember we were concerned because we hadn't gotten to tell our people yet because of all the city approval complexities along the way. And when the Sunday finally came that we got to reveal it to our church, it was a miraculous response. The celebration was out the roof and such a unifying day for us as a people. So that brings us to today where we've actually submitted these plans to the city. And I think one of the first things that people are going to notice is that it is Spanish mission style. That was all something we unanimously agreed on because the prophetic history of San Diego that it was started as the mother of missions by Junipero Serra, founding of the San Diego de Acala mission was so much a part of the vision that God gave us. And so we wanted to be true to that and true to the history of San Diego. So one of the things we're really excited about is actually having these classrooms for adult education. This will allow us to do our marriage courses and our parenting courses and our financial equipping. And of course, we have these training schools in our, in our church, like the School of Transformation and the Church Planning School to train and equip people before we deploy them to the nations. You know, one of the things we've been talking about for years is establishing a 24-7 prayer center here in San Diego. And our church is an amazing culture of prayer. As people come to our prayer nights to seek God, and people are spending time with God daily, but we wanna have that place that is our prayer command center to support what a God is doing all across the world through our church plants and also to really bless our city. And so we're really excited about this prayer room. There's gonna be a window from here actually looking out to San Diego State. And you're gonna be able to see the campus and see the city as you're praying and seeking God. And from the highway, the light from the prayer room is gonna be seen. What an amazing, simple, you know, we've left the light on for you. We're praying for you. May the light never go out. And then of course, there's the 900 seat auditorium designed so that everyone would have an up close and intimate feel, but still hosting so many people and facilitating our evangelistic services as well as our dramatic presentations. It's gonna facilitate an incredible atmosphere for the presence of God. You know, ever since the beginning of our church, we've always focused on youth, wanting to reach the youth of the city. And so I'm so excited about having a gym that we're going to be able to build for our youth to get to have their services there, to have fun just enjoying the games in there and be able to reach more youth for Jesus. You know, currently we have five spaces um, for our kids ministry, but I'm so encouraged because as we move into the new building, we'll actually have 12 rooms for our kids to really flourish in. You know, I think it's important for our kids to feel like they have a spiritual home that they want to be in and flourish in. Our All People's family has been so blessed to see many miracles through our decade-long journey. We've seen miracles of healing, miracles of restoration of marriages and families, miracle of freedom from addictions and bondages. We've seen miracles of awakening of nations, and, and we've seen miracles of miraculous financial provision. And as we've seen these take place, there's always been three common components. First, a, a God-sized vision. Secondly, a willingness to listen to what God tells us to do. And thirdly, a radical step of faith. You see, we have this God-sized vision with the Light Project. 
Imagine with me 300,000 cars passing a day and looking up on a hill to see our facility, a place where they know that they can go to find hope, acceptance, love. Imagine children coming in to a safe environment where they can be trained and equipped to do the kingdom work. Imagine youth understanding that they can be free from the sinful vices that are plaguing a generation. Imagine college students literally being able to walk across the freeway into a place where they get vision for God to use them to change their world. Imagine young couples finding each other and, and holy marriages being birthed. And imagine existing marriages coming and, and finding healing. Imagine whole families being trained and equipped to be used by God in powerful ways. And imagine people from every kindred nation, tribe, and tongue that have come to our city knowing that there's a place they can go where they'll be accepted, where they'll be wanted, where they'll be valued, where they can come together as one body to lift up the name of Jesus. And then imagine people trained and deployed and sent to do mission all over the world to transform nations, all the while 24-7 prayer going up to heaven from this place, asking God to, to transform the world. This is our God-sized vision. And the question is, will we be willing to listen to God to tell us the next steps our sacrifice, our, our personal act of obedience. And then lastly, will we actually take that step of faith, that risk, will each one of us do what He's calling us to do? Would you believe with me to see God fulfill His purpose in our city, in our nation, and in the nations of the world for generations? This is our time to go on a miraculous journey with them. You excited? So exciting. You know, um, if you, you can bring up the lights, uh, but you can also, Courtney, if you wanted to roll that to just show the, the fly around. Uh, maybe you've had this experience where you're reading the Bible and then you start uh, experiencing something, and you're like, wow, what I'm experiencing is so much of what I was just reading. I was reading in 1 Kings 6, and it says, the temple that King Solomon built for the Lord was 60 cubits long, 20 wide, 30 high. The portico at the front of the main hall of the temple extended the width of the temple. And I was looking at the front, and we have this portico that comes out. And then it says he made narrow windows high up in the temple walls. And I'm like, oh my goodness, look at these narrow windows high up in the walls. And against the walls of the main hall and inner sanctuary, he built structure around the building, which were side rooms. And I'm like, around our sanctuary is all these side rooms. And and then verse 8, the entrance to the lowest floor was on the south side. So this is the south side that you were looking at. And then it says that there was a stairway that led up to the middle level. And we have a stairway that'll go up to the middle level, which is this prayer room looking over the city. And then it says, so he built the temple and completed it, roofing it with beams and cedar planks. And, and we just kept feeling like, hey, we want these cedar beams going out, supporting the structure 
And, and what I just want you to know is we have prayed over every aspect of this building. And can I just tell you that God is involved in the details of our life. He's not just a God who thinks about the big things, but can I tell you, when you go to God, he cares about the little things in your life, and, and he, he wants to speak into those little things. And so we've been so excited to just have his leadership in so many different aspects of this. And, and for you to know, we have a Christian architect who's worked with us and asked the Lord to, 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 to give him creativity and to continue to bring things. We have a Christian builder who's just all about Jesus and all about seeing people say, and here you are seeing the auditorium. And we said, you know, we want to keep true to our family ethos, which is, is to be intimate, uh, a close people that know each other and where you see each other. And so we have this kind of room where everyone's going to have a close seat and, and be able to experience that community in the church. And so here it is. Isn't this awesome, guys? Just what, what we have to look forward to. And um, do, do you have this? Do you have your band? Let me see if you have a band. If you, if you weren't here last week, just reach in the, in the seat in front of you. Or some of you might have lost it. I don't know how that's possible when they're this tight on their skin. But uh, reach forward, grab one in the seat in front of you, and put it on. This is uh, our little uniform that's going to give us an opportunity to be a light to people when they ask, but also reminding you to pray. we got to pray this in. And here's what I know about successful teams is they have a plan. And they have a playbook, and Kendall has put together an amazing playbook for us. So I'm going to invite him up. Let's give a huge hand to Kendall as he goes through this All right. with us. Thank you, Robert. And wow, what an amazing video to see that fly through and all the different dis- interesting prophetic confirmations of how God has called us to build this. Isn't that amazing? Um, what our pastors are and leaders are passing out to you right now is our light project brochure. And there's a few things we're going to highlight in this together as a church family this morning. The one, one aspect of the brochure that really you're going to want to look at and study is just the spiritual vision of what God has called us to. Yes, God is calling us to build a building, but it's so much more than a building. Amen. This is a spiritual journey that God has had us on, of becoming a light to the city, to the nations and generations. You'll probably see some pictures of some people you know in there, see their testimonies. I think it will encourage you. And then the next part of the brochure, the pamphlet that's being passed out, is the practical aspects of this vision coming to life here in the next season. And I want to highlight a few pages together as we close our time. The first page is here. It says, About the Project. You can turn there with me, and that's my notes on the next page, but about the project right there. You can turn there, and that's where you're going to start seeing some of the specs of this building that God has called us to build in terms of what's going to be in the building, different details about the site and the project, and also the timeline of how God brought this together. I'd encourage you as a church family, let's, let's read this word for word in the next few days so we all have a good understanding. And as Robert said, we're all playing from the same playbook, and we know what God has called us to pray for and believe for in this season. On the adjacent page is a picture of the first floor layout of the auditorium and the gym. You can see that there. It's just exciting to to think about. And what we were able to do at our recent prayer night as a church family is we were able to lay hands on these plans and pray for them. And the city is going to be looking at these plans in the next few weeks. So will you, will you commit to actually putting your hand on this sheet of paper and praying over our plans that God gives us favor with the city? We want that to happen. So please, let's engage spiritually in the process as well. And just uh, one final thing about the project we want you to know on the next page, it's the project location. 
And people continually ask me, okay, now where is this location again? Like, I can see it from the highway, and I know it sounds too good to be true, actually, because it is too good to be true. God's given us more than we could ask or imagine. And I just want to clarify something with you. We own this land. Like, the deed is in our safe. So this is not like an idea that we have to buy the land, or we're believing to buy the land, or one day we're hoping that there will be a sign on this land that says, future home of all people's church. We own the land, and it is the future home of all people's church. And... It's located at the northeast corner of College Avenue and I-8. So as you're going west on the 8 into the beach community from East County, you just uh, exit north, for example, there on College Avenue. It's just right on the right-hand side, and you'll be able to see the building from the highway there once construction is complete. Amazing God story. On the next page is when the vision really starts to get practical for us here in this room for the next season. As you might recall, this journey of the light project has been divided into phases, the announcement, the building the foundation together. And now as a church family, we're moving into this next phase, which is the season of generosity that God has called us to. And I don't know if you've ever gotten to see a miracle happen in front of your eyes, but I really want to encourage you to join us the first weekend in November, November 3rd and 4th, as we have our groundbreaking offering because it's going to be a miracle weekend. We're going to get this come together. We're going to make our pledges for the next two years. We're going to be taking a one-time offering, and we're going to get to see God provide millions of dollars in front of our eyes. It's going to be an amazing time in his presence for the kingdom. And so that's what this two-year gift chart that you see on this page culminates at, is that miracle weekend, that groundbreaking offering that we're going to be having. And I'm showing you this graphic for two reasons this morning. The first of all is, let's all be praying. Let's all be praying over the gifts that God wants to bring in. And hey, maybe you're somebody that works out on the treadmill or the elliptical. You just get on there, and the first minute, you pray for the $1 to $3 million gifts. And the next minute, you pray for the $500,000 gifts. I'm I'm serious, though. We need to be praying this in and asking God to provide. My family, every night at dinner, we pray for the millions of dollars that God wants to bring in for the church building. And my kids hold us accountable, and they pray, and the whole family's engaged in the journey. And I'm excited about that, because one day, we're going to pull up to a building that they've prayed for and believed for. The next reason I'm showing you this is so you can start praying personally about what God would have you do in this season of generosity. And how many of you know we're a, we're a hearing and obeying church? We're, we're a people that hear God and obey him. And so here's what I know. If we all pray and if we all listen to God and we all do what he says, this will happen. Because in God's economy, he can work this out. He can speak to each one of us and each one of our families, and he can sort this out so we have everything we need and more to bless others at the end of this journey. Amen? And so let's all be praying as this weekend of November 3rd and 4th, we're going to be making our two-year pledges. We might say, God's calling us to make this one-time gift. God's calling us to make monthly gifts over the next months of this light project as we're believing for the money to come in. But however God may do that, we'll be talking that practically through over the next few weeks. That's something you can start be praying for as a family. On the last page, back cover. This is where we're gonna close our time this morning. This is gonna be our ministry time, praying over this together. Our part to play three goals that God has called us to as a church family in this season. First of all, 100% participation. Let this not be a church or a season where 20% of the people do 80% of the work, 80% of the giving. 
you know what I'm saying. Let's all cross this Jordan together and all be a part of the miracle that God wants to bring. And listen, whatever season you're in, financially or spiritually, whatever, God will give something to you to give. And that's what we're believing for, 100% participation in our church family. I can remember as a college student giving to a church building project and God transforming my life in that. Radical generosity from every person. That's what it's going to take. We're going to grow in this grace of giving and this gift of giving in this season. Please be praying that over our church. And then finally, just the practical goal, raising $7 million in two years. By God's grace, it's coming in. God is providing, but we need to pray and finish the journey together. Will you stand with me, please, and hold this booklet as we pray to close our service? This is what I'd like to do. We're going to continue just to ask for God's favor over this project. Will you hold your booklet up and ask for God's favor in two areas with the city of San Diego and with finances? We desperately want and need God's favor. This is going to happen. We want it to happen fastly and it's and just right in the timing that God wants. Just begin to cry out and pray that over our church. 100% participation, $7 million, more than enough, enough to bless others and give to other initiatives, radical generosity.